you're listening to the Black Panther Podcast, and this is episode 50. Feels kind of crazy saying episode 50, as I remember back to all those months ago at the start of the lockdown, when I was going restarting the podcast, we were at episode 7. So to have made it to episode 50 is kind of crazy. It's been a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people from a lot of different martial arts. I have to say, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm really glad I got the podcast restarted again. And I'm really looking forward to pushing on for the next 50 as we go to episode 100. Uh, Today's guest is Carl Davis. Carl is an ITF Taekwondo instructor and competitor. He is part of what you would have maybe heard previous guests refer to as the other ITF. So there's a number of ITF organizations and Carl is part of the one of the ones that myself and a lot of the previous Taekwondo guests aren't a part of. But he is highly successful in the, his organization. He's a three times European champion in patterns, uh, winning European gold in 15, 17 and 19. He also now has people from his club competing on the national team for their organization and are being highly successful there. So today I chat to Carl about the differences in things like the scoring and the rules in competition, his own journey as a competitor and an instructor, some of the challenges that are like instructors are facing throughout COVID-19 and restarting COVID-19 and, and more. So as always, make sure to like, share and subscribe and uh, hope you enjoy. So what's up, Carl? Thanks a minute for coming on. How's it going? You okay? Nice to meet you. Yeah, good, good. So you were saying there, just I know we were speaking just before I started recording that uh, about the, like COVID and some of the restrictions. Did I see that there's, I, am I right in saying in the UK that there's no indoor team sports, but Taekwondo doesn't come in under that, does it? Yeah, so because we're not classed as a team sport, they're classing as sport as like competitive. Um, yeah. So we're not competing against each other. Um, we're training a bit like gym. Gyms haven't been restricted to that extent. You've got your own space, two meters squared. You stay within your area. No pad work, no sparring. Um, I mean, the lucky thing for Taekwondo um, is that you do have a lot of technical work you can work on to fill out session upon session. You can you can go through the patterns. You can work on different types of blocks, flying kicks on the spot, plyometric work, fitness on the spot. Um, I've not struggled to fill my time of teaching. Yeah. You've, again, it's back to normality of you looking at your time and you think, oh, I've only got 10 minutes left. I haven't done this and this yet. So um, we're okay. I do, I do worry how like judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu are going to cope with the restrictions that have uh, continued. Because uh, I think like kickboxing essentially as well, you can do a lot of fitness you can do on the spot. But I think some martial arts, they need that close quarter contact. And um, so we're okay. We're allowed. The main thing is, is that we are able to meet up still and train in uh, yeah. small contained groups. So keeping, yeah. the, uh, keeping the spirits going, that's what we need. Yeah. But, but here in Ireland, like we've been back full contact training since end of June. In the yeah. Gym, I think, yeah. Now, like we didn't go straight back into it. We left it a few weeks, where it was like that technical. It was hitting pads and that, and like we slowly reintroduced it to where we were back on the sparring. And um, but then there was more restrictions. We were allowed train indoors with pods of ten. But then about four weeks ago now, I think it is that got reduced. You had to have pods of six, which yeah. we can still do everything. But like because now you have to like the space is limited more because you need more pods because you have fewer people you can't really spare too freely because you're just the space is restricted but thankfully 
we have most of the country Dublin has changed you now Dublin they can't a lot of the clubs there have been shut down again so they can't train but like most of the country are back and if you can get back into your hall like you said already like before we even recorded like if you can get into your hall or if you have a full time place like you can kind of get back to some bit of normality like the pods they're not ideal but it's look it's just something you'll work around and work with if it means you can have the, the doors open and the club training Absolutely yeah something's better than nothing I guess um, I think in Scotland and Wales uh, under 10s are allowed to uh, do name, normal training, normal, normal taekwondo. But with England and Northern Ireland, we haven't been given um, the, the go-ahead yet. So we're uh, still stepping on the air of caution, no sparring. Um, just, yeah, just technical work. That's all. But it's, again, comparing to, to the Zoom sessions, which were starting to, to dwindle, um, I think having some form of physical, I'll, I'll take this over the Zoom sessions any day. I'll take uh, training in physical form with one person then training like Zoom all the time. So uh, we'll get there, we'll get there eventually, but just small steps, every three weeks, we're like, what next, what now, we have? So um, it's uh, crazy times, but we're in it together. So that's the main thing, we'll, um, we'll get through it. And uh, the, the, the attitude and like the character shown by like especially the martial arts industry of even like all the instructors you see bands together being supportive and sending positive like vibes and feedback to people to keep their spirits going because um we're definitely up against it at the minute and we've the last six months have been uh, very tough but we've survived the first six months and it looks like we're going to survive the next six months so we'll be fine it'll be good yeah if we know it and that was the thing, like, and it kind of, it's a little bit frustrating. Like, I know all sports have been hit, but when you're seeing, the, like, the outdoor sports and you see some sports complaining, they can't have spectators. But, like, yeah. the indoor sports where you mightn't even be able to just do your sport, like, t- even train, never mind worry about co- competitive or anything like that, you know, and you see the outdoor sports complaining about spectators, like, look, you need to put it into perspective. You're training, you're actually able to compete. There's some sports yeah. that you can't even just train, you know. it's <laughs> No, no, it's, it's tough, but... um. No, it's, I mean, these things are meant to sent to be tested us, I guess. So we'll ride the storm out. We'll be fine. But um, I've never thought I'd say this, but I can't wait to get kicked in the face. I yeah, can't wait. I felt that, yeah. Just, I was saying that to a couple of people that I was missing hitting people, but I was missing getting hit as well. So that was no, good no, to go no, back to. Yeah, you, you can go out there, you can hit, pump someone if you wanted to, but get a nice pad around the face from a nice reverse turning kick. Man, there's something sweet about that. And, yeah. um, I'll probably get it. I'll go, oh. Take me back to lockdown. Take me back. <laughs> um, no, I just want to get sparring again. And so do like, so many students. So we just hope that, um, like I say, if they lift the restrictions, I mean, we're looking at dates for like European Championships next year. Um, and what like, you can't just be prepared overnight. You need months and months of training. So even if they don't lift the restrictions until February time, let's say, that's that's a short time to be prepared to go and compete internationally. And if you've got other countries that aren't as restricted, then, you know, some countries are already higher standard than like England, shall we say, from, from let's call it our side, um, that we need as much training as possible to so have these restrictions on us are not helpful. So we just need to, need to get back to it, but I'm sure we will soon. Yeah. So like, just to take it back, like where did, where did the martial arts journey start for you? How did you get involved in Taekwondo? What got you started? Uh, so it was my dad that got me into it. I, I had very little choice on the matter. Um, 
luckily my dad was very supportive in me just starting something i mean i was uh, six and a half maybe seven years old um i was small skinny like big thick glasses a formidable bowl cut i didn't like i had nothing about me at all i had zero confidence and i guess my dad could see that in me um my brother was doing very very well in uh football he was signed at a young age for a professional football club um and i was just his little brother that didn't do anything so my dad wanted me to get into a martial art he knew the local instructor uh, grandmaster gary miller was my instructor and um he just took me along and then i just kept showing up but i guess i was young and I, I, there have been times where i said i don't want to go training today and i remember him saying get in the car you're going training and i i think um that was very important for me to keep to keep going because um you do see parents say oh he doesn't want to come anymore and then they just stop coming but of course if they a child's going to want to sit at home and play computer games You've got to drag them up to training. So um, just started at a young age. And then I think what kept me into it, I see I've like listened to a couple of these to see what people were into. So you're a Power Ranger fan, so was I. But <laughs> yes. um, I, re I still am to this day. Um, I was a wrestling fan, like WWE, and I just used to love um, that. Um, so I just thought I was a wrestler going along there to kick and punch things and thought I'd be a wrestler one day and I just... I just loved it. So that's what kept me into it. That and Power Rangers too. But um, yeah, so I started young and just, uh, so I've been training. So I'm 33 now. So I've been uh, doing it for over 25 years. So it just kept, just kept showing up essentially. So I'm very grateful to my dad that he just kept me going because I think you, you do need that support to, on those days where you don't want to go training, you need that one person, if you're younger, to say you haven't got a choice. You go in training, um, so to have supportive parents is is a massive key factor in in anyone to be successful in anything at a young age. So to have someone on side is um, was key to me. Was key to me to keep going. Yeah, I think I was the same. I was about blue belt. There was a kind of a time where it was only maybe a week or two. Where I was kind of like oh, I don't want to go. I think it was kind of it was in that kind of time just as you go back to school. And like in the yeah. evenings, you're going out with you because you weren't getting much homework when you just go back. So you're going out with your friends, and then you're like, you want to start wanted to stay out playing with my friends, and like that. I was like, you know, you're getting called in. You have to go to like one. You're like, ah, oh, do I have to go? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then they're like, no, no, you're going. And it's that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, you won't be going out after school. It's going to be dark. You're going to be doing homework. So you're getting in. You're going back to taekwondo, and and that's it. Yeah. And like, but the, and I, when I went, like when I was there, it was like, oh, I'm delighted I'm here. Like, but and like it's that thing, like. If they had went, oh, yeah, that's grand. Oh, are you bored of it or you don't? Yeah, that's grand. It's like, I could have, you know, could have yeah, stopped there. Like, but you just pushed, no, you're going. Tough shit. And away you go. Like, yeah. You need that and, sometimes. Um, absolutely. And it's difficult, like I said, um, so I, um, so my, I teach my wife and, um, and my stepdaughter, but I'm very much the opposite to that. And like, they seem to want to come train. I've never asked them, like, you come and train this night, we either get changed, they're getting changed, they come with us. But um, it's difficult if I had like my own child, it, it, you, you guess they're gonna come along training with you because I've got no choice because we're all going. But if, um, I guess you got, it's that fine balance of saying, yeah, you've, you're coming, um, but not being too pushy. So I think there's, and I learned a lot from my dad how to do it correctly, but I think it's very important to, um, to be encouraging essentially on that front. So, um, 
So yeah, it's, uh, I have a lot to be thankful for, especially as well when I was younger. Well, could I argue now as well? I wasn't that great. Um, my instructor would say as well as openly to people who were trying to praise me, saying, "Oh, that was great competition." And he'd be like, "Yeah, but he wasn't very good when he was younger, and I was like rubbish." Like, luckily, my um, I used to have footage of uh, some competitions I did when I was on like, green or blue belt, and I used to watch back all my performances, even at, like when I was like. 12, 13 years old, my dad had his video recorder and in the car on the way home, I'd watch, like win or lose, like how I got on. And um, at the time you don't realize what technical work I guess you're doing. But as I got older, I, I watched it back and I was like a green belt and I was like, what was I doing that for? And I was, I was woeful, but luckily that footage is gone because, and I don't mind embarrassing my brother with this, he taped over my entire, collection of sparring when i was younger um over with like the channel four series of desperate housewives he just takes it over she's <laughs> all gone so i've got no footage of me from the age of 14 and down but luckily that's a good thing because uh, i was not very good which is which is part of um i guess my my strength as an instructor that when you see people who can't uh, I have like so much patience. I will stand and tell someone a thousand times how to do it, um, just because that's what they might need, and it it doesn't bother me. Just because I was that person who just couldn't do it, and my instructor probably told me a thousand times how to do it, and eventually it clicked. So you'll go on your journey for a reason, and my journey was start young, be rubbish, get a bit older, still be a little bit rubbish, and then just something clicks when you're about sort of fifteen, sixteen, where you. You start getting bored of losing, I guess, and you uh, yeah, you put the actual effort in that's required, and you you start to maybe see that it's winning mightn't be too far away with just the right kind of right approach, the right application. Yeah. Winning mightn't be too winning. far away. Yes. So yeah, it took an awful lot of losses to to learn how to win, but I mean that's what you need. You need those losses. You need uh. You need to learn from those. You either learn or you, you either win or you or you learn. You never lose. That's the way I like to think about it. So, um, but yeah, so that's what I mean. For me, I, I, I'll be honest, when I was probably up and I got my red, I got my black belt when I was uh, 15, just turned 15. Um, and uh, there were selections for the world championships. And, this, and at this time, there was only, um, there was only one like ITF, we'll call it, only one. Yeah. So the um, the selections the, were, were big, you know, and there's a lot of people going for the for the team. And I was only a red belt, so I remember thinking, like, I ain't, my black belt grading was in September, the World Championships in Puerto Rico, 2002, um, were in December. So I was like, I'll go along for selections, but I ain't got a chance. And then on the third, I didn't think I had a ch chance as well, because on the first squad training session with Master Leah, um, I didn't finish it. I was upstairs. It was sick. It was where I couldn't. I, it was too hard for me. Um, so I didn't finish it. I was like, fell asleep upstairs, and I was like, this ain't for me. And then and again, just that sort of mindset of like, no, don't let this beat you. Um, went back, and then just tried my best. And um, I didn't think that I had it in me, but Master Leah must have seen something and. 
um, selected me, not only just to be in a team, but I wasn't even a sub, I was like in the team. And there was people that didn't get selected that I was thinking they must be quite surprised that I got in. So I was that sort of person who you didn't think would get the spot. But I've got an awful lot to thank Master Lear for, for that, because he uh, maybe even saw something in me or took a, took a chance on me. And um, I competed in 2002, and I've pretty much competed every year since, and it's 2020. So yeah, you must have uh, seen something maybe. But, yeah, so I've got an awful lot to be, to be thankful for to him for that, taking a chance on me. Yeah, I think you see that a lot. It happens like that, especially you now, like on our, like on our side, that you can have three juniors, and oftentimes the third junior you might look at, they're not going to win. Like the, on their first mm. time being selected, like this person isn't going to win this time, first time going away as a kind of fill in the third spot. But give it a year, two years of experience in the championships, experience in all the training that you need that goes with it, then they could be winning. In two years' time, you could be looking to stand yeah. on the top step of the podium. So sometimes you yeah. need that developmental stuff, you know, that if you just look and go, ah, they're not going to win in this one this one championships like then then there's no point in selecting them but you know if you give them time develop there's a chance they might do something yeah and that's why i think like an eye of a of a coach and again that's why i think master lee is probably still regarded as one of the best coaches in the world um and i've just seen he's been asked to go back to coach the england team and a message to any of the England competitors now, you have hands down one of the best coaches on the setup. They are very lucky because he knows competitors. And I think I've learned an awful lot from him of how to like read competitors and uh, be a people person to each individual person rather than coaching in a certain way. You've got to coach individual people in certain ways to get the best out of them. And I think some coaches struggle with that. I think coaches sometimes go, this is how I teach, like it or lump it. But I think Master Lear was very much, I know he treated me, he coached me a little bit different to maybe he coached the captain. He was a little bit more like like uh, gentle with his approach to me to get the best out of me. Um, so yeah, so he's a very high class coach that I tried to uh take an awful lot from I think to teach my classes I guess in a way yeah and would you have always been would you have been more patterns than sparring as a kid and uh, has, so, that, has, that, um, has that changed over time or? so I think I was more sparring when I was younger and then um, when I got my black belt um, I just just seemed to fall into patterns quite a lot and um, I kept winning I was my first um, my first junior black belt national champion chips when I was just turned 15 I did I was thrown in at the deep end on the black belt level because I got my black belt in and then got selected for the world in December but there was a national championships in between so that was my first championships as a black belt my second was the world championships Uh, so I won the national in the patterns and the sparring Um, but after that from 13 all the way to 17 I didn't lose a pattern match for years just kept winning the patterns so I sort of maybe thought well maybe I'm more suited to the patterns but then I was also winning nationals at the sparring as well so um, I would I struggle to say I am one or the other, but um, at the moment, I'm three-time European champion in, in patterns. Uh, won in 2009, 2017, and 2019. Um, and I've managed to win a bronze inspiring 
on a few occasions as well on the world and European. So I've never won the gold at the uh, internationals, but I've won selection of bronze and silvers individually in the sparring. I think I'm I'm thought of more well known for my patterns. Um, but then there's videos of me on YouTube that I use for my advertisement and people are messaging me like about the sparring as well. So I'm, I'm known for both, but I think um, I get more nervous for the patterns. Um, when it's the sparring, you know, so many uncontrollable factors in the sparring. Um, you might kick as quick as you can, but your opponent might just be that little bit quicker and there's nothing you can do. But with the patterns, it's, it's more your control. So you, the pressure's on you. And if you mess up, it's 100% you. You can't blame anything can't blame anyone um i like to class myself as a bit of an all-rounder but um i think patterns is probably what i enjoy the most in terms of competing and training luckily with what we're restricted to at the moment like i could teach i could teach five hours a day every day patterns if i if i was asked to um but then i've been i've hosted a few sparring workshops where uh, People come and I tell people how to spar. Um, I've never done a patterns one. I've done sparring workshops. So people come to me also to learn from me some sparring tips and tricks. I'd love to do a combined one, but I think there's time and effort as with everything. And um, so, yeah, but I think um, more patterns, I'd say, if I was to fall on one side, I'd say more patterns than the, than the sparring. Yeah. And it's like, um, so I suppose often as well, like you see kids and they're they're looking at like, it's it's what they're winning at is is what they want to go with, you know. But sometimes it can might be even just what you enjoy, and often like that, like like you say, when you when you when you were younger, you preferred sparring, and then it switches over the patterns. It, it can change if you just stick with it. You know, it's not necessarily if you get too caught if you get caught up too early in oh this is what I'm good at, then you know, it it sometimes doesn't work out like that. I think there's there's also a lot of longevity in the patterns. If you you see a lot of people come and go and take one at a very high standard and they're good at sparring, but nine times out of ten they're not great at the patterns. So they love the sparring and then obviously they go training and there's probably a lot of if they've got an older instructor, for example, and they just do patterns and they're probably just sort of gritting their teeth getting through the patterns, but then love it on the sparring. And you see that they sort of come and go in different martial arts. Um, but you, those are people who are passionate about the patterns those are the ones who end up being the masters and the grandmasters later on I think just because they just love the art for what it is and the sparring is just a part of that so I, I've, I'm happy with that I enjoy the pattern side of it because I think that's what keeps gives you that longevity in, in Taekwondo certainly um, but the flip of that is, is that there's a lot of people that would turn into the patterns when they're a bit older because uh it just keeps you going keeps you attending and they don't want to do the 360 spins all the time when they're <laughs> over 40 no yeah. doubt we will be but we'll yeah, see hopefully <laughs> and so like, <laughs> like when did um when did you start when did you open your own club then when did that kind of come about so um i've been teaching for nine and a half years well yeah nine nine uh, nine years in a bit um and it, I got to this stage where I thought I was just getting a bit stagnant in my training. Um, I was showing up to nationals. Not really, I was not really sort of putting the effort in that I needed to. Still getting the result, 
but I wasn't really sort of happy with how I was performing. Um, and I felt like I was getting to that age. I was like 24 where I was just showing up to training after working long days, sort of dragging yourself to training. And then I thought something had to change. And, uh, I just thought I need to teach. I need to start teaching. And there was a school local to me in the next town um, that the instructor was moving away and his school was coming available. Um, and I thought it's perfect, perfect timing. I was a little bit negative about my whole training and I was a bit down with probably within myself and just take one though. And I thought I need to teach. I need to start getting out there and sp spreading some knowledge. Um, and I was, I probably was a little arrogant was probably the term, but ignorant as well. I just expected that class to be handed to me just because of who I was. Young guy, good competitor. And um, he moved away and I got the phone call saying that they've decided to give the school to somebody else. And um, it was like getting haymakered. Like, I was just like, oh man, that's, that's it then. I, I'm going to have to quit. Take one though. I just, I can't be off the train anymore. That was my opportunity to, to teach. And, um, I was like real, I was like real down about it. And then I just decided rather than waiting for an opportunity to be presented to me with a school, which was being passed over, I just thought, right, let's go this way rather than upwards in terms of towns. Let's go, what's the next town in this direction rather than upwards. And uh, there's a town called Wantage. And I just thought, well, they're going to have a leisure centre. And uh, this was at the time where, Um, and I hated it. It wasn't for me. Hated it. Just wanted to get off the building site. And I thought I should be um, a full time instructor. I thought that I was like, I should be. I'm good enough to be. I should be one. Therefore, I'm going to be one. That was like my mindset. Um, so I just picked up the phone and phoned up the leisure centre. And um, I said, um, I want to start teaching martial art. What availability do you have? And they said, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, fully booked. Uh, we give you Saturday morning. And I was like, oh, it's not ideal. I need, need more than that. But I thought I'd take it. So they um, I signed up for 12 weeks, like three-month contract with them. And they said, right, you start in four weeks. And you put the phone down. I was like, right, okay. So I was on, the, I was on a dump. I remember it now. I was on a dumper truck thinking, right, I'm going to start teaching in four weeks' time. I better start telling people about this. So um, I quickly went home, made my own like Word document, PowerPoint poster, printed a couple off, um, just started flying up around Wantage, just fully expecting everyone to be like, oh yeah, I know who you are. We'd love to come along. And um, with a word of mouth spread and um, showed up to the class. It was like, I teach next week. So I showed up to the class and there was six people there. Two of which were, well, one was my mum, one was my stepdad, and um, one was someone who used to train and take one over four, just passing in the street, and I just got chatting, and he said he'll be along. Didn't think he'd show up, he did. Um, someone else was, um, is now my England teammate called Chris Dudman. He showed up, but um, oh, he was tiny. He must have been about 11 at the time. Um, so I taught the class for... Okay, it's not what I expected. No one else showed up that I thought, like, no other local people showed up. And uh, the following week, there was only one person there. It was my stepdad. And um, I was thinking, this isn't for me. Like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And 
he was late as well. So for the first 15 minutes of my second ever class, I was the only one in the big sports hall because no one else wanted to book it on a Saturday morning. So I had the whole sports hall and I was on my own. Like I was single at the time, just drove there, um, put my bag down, just looked in this big empty hall when I was like, ah, so this, this is me then, is it? This is what, this is the dream. Is it everyone's going to, but I knew there was two other full-time Taekwondo classes in that same hall. So I was like, I'm competing with um, people who are already established. So of course no one's going to show up to me. Um, but there was a couple of people who sort of doubted me and said, didn't think you had it in you. I, I bet you'd quit after a couple of weeks. Then I thought, I ain't doing it. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep showing up. So I got more flyers made up and I went out eight hours every day and flyers dropped every house in the town, went to the schools, phoned up the schools. Um, and my class has grown from strength to strength every year. Um, and I now, through how I teach my classes, I've got over 100 students. And every, I never take it for granted because I have been there in that empty hall with just me um, and my stepdad 15 minutes later. Um, so I was actually paying him to teach because he, I didn't train, I didn't charge him training fee. I had to pay for the hall. So I was paying him to teach him Taekwondo. Um, and uh, I think it's that perseverance. I think the, uh, the epitome of perseverance is when you feel like you just, you can't get any lower with that. You just go, right, it's going to keep going, keep going at it, keep working at it. Just don't let it defeat you. So I went, it was negative for pretty much my first year or two years of teaching was tough, cost me money. I had less students than the hall fee was. Um, but I was like, I ain't, I'm not stopping. I'm keep going. And um, now I'm so, so proud of my class. The students that's been produced from there, uh, the support from the parents, the, the how well they do nas national competitions. I've got international competitors with me now. That's crazy. I've had students that have been training with me since he, there's a lot of students called Sean McIntyre who trained with me since he's like 14 and a half. And I still see him as that like 14 and a half year old, but he's now like 19. And he's got selected on the same England team as me. So he's my teammate and my student. Um, so that's great. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so that's quite unique to have someone in that situation. And we're the same weight. So uh, <laughs> we've competed against each other a couple of times. And uh, uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's 2 1 to me, I think. So uh, as long as I can keep that, keep that notch, I'm sure he's going to over, overtake me at some point. But I can keep knocking him off that perch while he's keep trying to take the. Uh, I'll pass the torch one day, but not quite <laughs> yet. Yeah. It's great, I suppose that goes back to even like you said when you just even started, you just kept showing up. So like that's yeah, you know, maybe that's, that's it. what started there as well. Like you had that you had seen that if you just keep if you keep just keep showing yeah, up just, where it can go. Don't let it be you. And like I say, it's that perseverance and of it all. You just, just show up next week and go, right, how many this week? One, two, three, four, and then the following week, right? Okay, and then then it was like, oh, my cousin might want to do it. And then a parent was walking past the hall, see what you're doing. And then, you know, just growing from there. And and um, I've learned a lot from that, trying to, because I, I quit my job to do it. I I didn't just, um, I told my boss, I'm stopping this and I'm doing this full time. 
I stopped my job. Oh, so foolish. Uh, and I showed up to the empty hall with no students. I was like, what have I done? But um, so it's a sort of matter of just you have to survive of it. There was no choice. I didn't want to go back on that building site. Um, so that was my motivation to go, no, I'm not. I'm making this work. Um, and that was really like nine years ago that Facebook was a thing, but there wasn't any of this Facebook marketing that's out there now. And um, I've, I've learned an awful lot of like how to advertise and what, and what to share and when exactly. Um, so um, if I was to do it all again, now I'd do it a lot differently if I was to um, venture down the, the path of a full-time instructor because I've still got a, a job now on top of my teaching and my training and I've got to be a husband and a, and a stepdad in there somewhere too and see my family. It's, uh, a balance, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I suppose you had to make those mistakes to uh, to see where I had to go. Actually, I just need to, if I could just pause it there for two seconds, I'll, yeah. be, I'll be back in two seconds. I just have to open the door. Cool. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. I had to open the door. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, so yeah, with the club then, and obviously like when, when things kind of split, I suppose, between the ITF, have you been, always been in the same ITF you've been in or have you kind of jumped about a couple of, been, been in a number of different places? Or So I've always stayed uh, UKTA, which I guess if we call it we ITFs, well, I technically, I've not moved anywhere. I, from, my, from the age I was six, the same training hall, the same dobog, same association, same ITF. It's been the same for me. It's um, it was an interesting time in 2002 when it was all separating. I guess we'll class it. It was an interesting one because I guess that Puerto Rico 2002 was probably the last World Championships where there was only one World Championships. Now, um used to go to national championships after that year and see people showing up to your nationals with like England written on their back. And you're like, well, I'm in the England team. You know, I, I don't know who you are. What's, and so you're starting to, you're learning, well, what's all this? And then there's obviously uh, the divide, we'll call it. Um, but I have stayed to the same group, I guess we'll call it. Same association, same ITF. Um, I've, I've sort of dabbled in other martial arts for a little bit but um whilst continuing the taekwondo essentially so i'm taekwondo through and through and i, I think i'm going to be until uh until my legs don't work anymore essentially yeah well i've seen have you started i've seen you started some kickboxing classes as well is that right yeah yeah so i've uh, trained kickboxing for a little while uh trained with a group in oxford essentially martial arts and um what I was, what the motivation for this was, I was doing, I was just, just punching, kicking pads. It's like good fitness, um, something different, I guess, as well. And when I was teaching, I was trying to get a lot more adults into the Taekwondo. Taekwondo at the moment, for where we are, there seems to be a lot of children, teenagers, few adults. Um, but I wanted more adults. Um, so I would speak to the parents who would drop their children off. And I say, come along to class next Tuesday, train with your child. A couple of them said yes. And then it was, uh, what I was finding was um, parents would say, I would do Taekwondo, but I couldn't be doing with, and it was insert, couldn't be doing with the patterns, couldn't be doing with the breaking, couldn't be doing with the discipline terminology. Um, 
And then I was like, well, you strip all that away, what are you left with? Punching and kicking pads. What's that? And that's kickboxing. So um, so I've joined Wacko Kickboxing, an official Wacko Kickboxing instructor. Um, and I've run an official separate Wacko Kickboxing class. And it is filled with majority of the parents of my students. Um, and what I'm finding is that I'm getting a lot of inquiries from older people who just want to go and... Um, punching kick pads and not worry about the patterns and the terminology and the discipline because people I think with their day jobs a lot you know they're stressed long days it's quite difficult to then to say to people you've got a grading coming up you need to tell me the meaning of this you need to tell me how many stances in Korean they're thinking oh, I've got a meeting next week about like a million pound budget and I've got to talk about Chonji like you know it's difficult isn't it so yeah. um I think the kickboxing is certainly uh, is and it's so popular. I, I, I remember my first class was about a year ago, September sixteenth last year. Um, I was, I never thought I'd say this, but I, I hoped people would stop coming through the door. It was the opposite <laughs> problem I had when I yeah. started my first class. I was just thinking, oh, 15 people will probably show up. I, I advertised it just online. That was it. One Facebook yeah. post and share that's it i'm opening up this class next week here's my poster banner let me know if you're interested um and i had um i had 38 nearly 40 people show up and i was only expecting 15 and i remember thinking if people keep coming through that door the hall's not massive because i didn't book a big hall yeah. um i think we just going to be <laughs> like sardines um so I I went to the hall upstairs, which was a lot bigger, and and numbers have stayed. The numbers of um, are, um, are still massive, and obviously now the restrictions of um, with uh, with the kickboxing, I did lose a few people when we stopped training, and they did the Zoom sessions, but a lot of them were saying, "Can't not for me, not for me," not because they hadn't been doing it long enough to really be sort of like hooked into it. Um, so I lost a lot of the kickboxers. Um, so luckily now with the restrictions on numbers, when I've, I'm now back in teaching indoors, I'm I'm within the restrictions. I'm fine with my numbers, um, but the um, I'm pretty much turning people away now because legally, rather than like, yeah, sure, come along. You can't have that many people in a room now, so you're um, you haven't turned people away for that for that reason. Which again is a shame because you just want to. I just want to. I just want to teach as many people as I can. So to to say no to people is very strange. To say no, you can't come to my to my class. Um, come back in March next year when we'll probably be allowed. It's a it's a strange one, but no, that's definitely uh, definitely picked up. And my plan was this year to do a kickboxing, a wacko competition. Um, again, a different discipline, something uh, something different, out your comfort zone. I think there's a lot to be said for that, rather than people show up to the same nationals that's why i've gone and i've competed uh, in 2012 i won the puma world championships they called it um which are with your association the puma um in england or with your side um it was a huge that was huge championships and i <laughs> i went to that because it was 20 minutes from my door it was advertised it was the other group yeah. um and it was like on a sun Saturday morning, I had some spare time and it was on a Saturday and Sunday, I was available. And um, I just entered it, got my pads, went in the car, drove and competed and I, um, and I won it. 
And what I didn't realise is that the weight groups were different from associations. Ours was under 71, which I competed at. And your side, maybe it's changed, I'm not sure, was under 70. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I weighed 70 and a half because I was right at the end Ooh. of the weight group. So they weighed me in and they said, no, not this one. You're on that mat over there. And I was like, no, no I'm not. I want to be on this one. <laughs> and um, they're all giants. They're like, that's plus 70. I, I'm not in this group. And um, I'm stood on the mat and there was like 20 people that are all taller than me. And I was like, I should not be on here. But um, I ended up winning that. And uh, it was so, so tough. Such a high level of competition in the sparring. That's what I uh, won the sparring. And um, there's a couple of people who went on to be selected for that fighting chance, that road to Rio. Yeah, um, yeah. Were at that competition who I beat on that day. And, and um, so I've, I've flitted in like competing in different groups. And I think there's a lot to be said for t- getting out there and out of your comfort zone, go into as many competitions as you can. Um, and that was what drew me to the, the kickboxing because it was, you know, you see some high level competitors on the wacko scene, like unreal, really, really good. And I think we're going to see it as a nation when it comes to the Olympics with um, kickboxing getting their uh, foot in the door, essentially. So I think um, I think kickboxing is definitely going to increase in popularity over the next couple of years with that avenue and that sort of um, possibility of people competing in the Olympics as well. I think uh, there's Wacko kickboxing, which is the uh, Olympic representative. So... Uh, it's going to go from strength to strength. So to get in now with them and have some crossover, have a couple of my students compete at their nationals, just to see how it got on. I think obviously the contact's a lot heavier. And uh, in our side, what might limit us is we do have the two punch rule, which you might be aware of, yeah. um, which, which has its benefits, but I think it has its negative side of it as well that, you know, as a group that our hands aren't as strong as you watch your world, your world championships and you see the sparring and you think like very good with the hands and feet. Um, so I think that's limited us to us because we, the reason they brought it in was to let make it less scrappy was their reasoning. Um, but I think um, all the rule changes seems to be helping the, the North Koreans a lot more because <laughs> you watch the world championships and you see Russia versus North Korea typically in the final um, and the Russian will just poleaxe them with their hands and then finish off with a nice beautiful back kick or turning kick and the Koreans didn't tend to have an answer for that they would just be very spinny so now we've got two punch rule can't can't throw more than two punches without throwing a, a kick you can punch punch pause punch punch pause but that's, you know referee's going to pull you up on that um, but you also have to throw in each round. Uh, compulsory technique is called. It's called compulsory, but if you if if you don't do it, you lose two points in each round. So you you start with minus two, um, and then you have to fire a three sixty or a jump back kick, both in the, both in the air. They have to be in an air and have to be a, a legitimate attempt. You can't just both on the spot agree beforehand. Right, we're going to spin. And then carry on with the match. The referee will just say no. So it's made it harder for the referees because it's put a lot more pressure on them because it's up to their discretion if they feel like it's a uh, legitimate attempt. So there's all these rules that um, 
are coming into place that well, have been in place for a couple of years, which do help the Koreans when it comes to, well, not just the Koreans, but they, um, a lot of the countries that are very renowned for the fast paced, quick spinning kicks compared to the Eastern Bloc, let's say Russians, which are renowned for the, the heavy hitting hands. But then the Russians are adapting too. And um, now they're just even more dangerous now because they can do the compulsory techniques on top of the, uh, on top of the nice hands they've got too. So, uh, so yeah. Do you think those things are effective? Oh, sorry? Do you think those rules are effective? Like, obviously, I understand the, the whole two-punch rule and obviously the like the idea behind the compulsory and the, or the, the spinning technique, like, to try and make it a bit more exciting and, and that, you know, it adds a bit of flash, but do you think they're effective? From experience, from doing it, competing in it, I think if it's made it, a, I think that's just what the whole point was. They make it more spectator-friendly. That was the, the motivation behind it. Get more people looking at the screens thinking, wow, wow, wow. But you put yourself in the sparring match you know you have to throw a compulsory technique. And from experience, if I'm sparring against someone, and there's 15 seconds left in the round and they haven't got their compulsory off and it's worth two points, the sparring goes out the window and you're just shutting them down because they have to, um, they have to make a legitimate attempt. And if they spin and you shut them down, they don't get the kickoff. It doesn't count. So you're, just, you're not really sparring them to get the kicks away and, and be entertaining you're sparring to the rule of uh, not letting them spin that's if you like if i'm coaching somebody i'm also telling them that like shut them down don't let them get their spin off um and then the match just becomes about when can i spin when can i spin and you can see it in their eyes that they're not even thinking about what to do other than i must spin so i think it detracts in one way and then it adds value in others. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one to call. I, for me, it's different. It's diff. It doesn't, it's irrelevant because I, I, I'm renowned as being like a, a spin sparer when I spar. So I'd throw four or five compulsories in, in a spar anyway. So it doesn't really bother me, but there have been times where I've thrown a couple and the referee said, no, and you're like, how's that? How's that? That's, that's course. Cool. And then you're thinking of that, and then they're coming at you with their technique, and you get tagged. So adds an element to it, and um, it's the rule, I guess. And I think I can't see it changing. Um, so we just got to get used to it. And um, the, the, I'll be honest with you, the biggest rule change, and it sound might sound a bit strange, the biggest rule change that we've had, which has affected me personally the most, is, um, and people will probably disagree with this, is the inclusion the the head guards are compulsory. Now, what I noticed on, say, your side was um, you used to wear head guards quite early on, like years before we used to have to. Internationals and nationals didn't have to. It was optional. Um, but I don't know what it is with a head guard for me. It just zaps me. It just zaps me of, like, who I was as a sparer. Um, and it's like if you get hit and the head guard moves... You get a point against you, but you've given your way a couple more inches on top of your head that would have probably missed you. So um, you can't hide the fact if your head guard spins in front of your face that you've been that you've been tagged in the head. And if you like after like a an, an exchange, if you're then changing your head guard, a judge who might think did that score, and then they see you changing your head guard, might say, "Well, it must have done." You know what I mean? So I think. Um, 
but obviously it's for your safety. So it's a difficult rule to to um to go against to say, no, 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 don't make it so safe. Take the headguards off, take the headguards away. Um but yeah, for me, I think out of the rule changes we've had that I've so since I've competed, I've competed with no two-punch rule, no compulsory rule, and no headguard rule. Um and it's just you're just having to adapt every sort of rule change. But with the two-punch rule, I was like, yeah, fair enough. Um, the compulsory, but yeah, I'll spin anyway. But I didn't even own a headguard when they said that you had to wear a headguard. I was like, I don't even own one, so I have to go and buy one. Um, and then when you put it back on, you're like, this is weird. You know what I mean? It's strange. So I think out of all the rules that we've had change over the years, um, that's the one which I I struggled to get on side of. But people will just say, well, we brought it in for your protection. Um, but I still see people get hurt with head guards, so we need face masks on, maybe, maybe. So <laughs> stop the nosebleeds, maybe. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Have you have you um, had any rule changes on your side? Has yours always been free flowing hands, or is there rules restrictions for you? Yeah, no, it's been pretty much it's been the same free flowing hands, and that um, I it used to be the two like two points for a jump and punch, but not like I think that's gone as pretty much as long as I've been competing. Like not like yeah. since I was been. Competing at international level, like that's hasn't been a thing anyway. Um, the headguard, it was 2011 they first brought in the headguard rule. So like, but then I was there was a couple of years because I think it was when you became 13, you didn't have to wear a headguard because yeah. of 13 and then like plus. But then they brought it in then in 2011 that you had to wear a headguard. Um, like that there was people at the start who like didn't like it. Um, to be honest, it I, for me it kind of depended on the headguard. There was come some ones like the Adidas ones, or there was some of the like maybe top yeah. pro ones that weren't that nice. The top ten one has been fine. Like I don't really train with a headguard on all the time, like too often. But then when I put it on, it's not something I take much notice of. But like I've kind of got used to it. Um, yeah. Like that, I, I think people have just got used to it. Like people just because it became a thing, more people just started wearing with it, training with it, and you just got used to it. But definitely at the start, it was something that people didn't didn't like. Um, but I think as well, even and one thing I do think with the headguard, it does take away. It takes away a little bit from like the personalities to some degree. Yeah. Like you before, you could always tell who, who was who, who was fighting because you knew the look at you could see their face. Now it's kind of you see them and you can't really see their face because it's the headguard. So you kind of you have to either you nearly gather them from the style the way they move or you have to be able to see their name or whereas before you just knew if you saw across a, across an arena who was sparing you knew straight away because you could see their face whereas i think maybe yeah. that could be something like even now like when you see a, a nice picture or something it can be sometimes hard to tell like who who is that because with the yeah, yeah. whereas before it was you could nearly tell straight away like because you could see their face a bit easier but maybe that's something but Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what self-consciously it is. I just want people to know it's me kicking them in the face. <laughs> no, that's me. That's me over there, not some random person. And yeah. I, I see what you mean because when I, I've um, so on my website that I advertise like my classes, one of the things that I um, use is like video highlights of my sparring over the years. Um, which you'd be surprised how much that works. The amount of times that parents say, "He's watched your video. She's watched your video. They just love your sparring video, and they just want to come along and do that." Um, and none of, not, I don't think any of those clips, I've got a head guard in and you can, it's me, you can see, look, so yes, yeah, like your identity. And then I'm sharing videos over the last couple of years of me sparring at nationals. And yeah, you've got to be really showing a clip of you doing something that's clearly you, because yeah, if you both got red head guard on and the same pads, yeah, you look very, very similar. So you're probably true. There is that identity that you might lose 
and, and again, the spectator side things, people, that's what people tune in for when you see like the professional boxing and the MMA. Like you're watching it because to a certain extent of the of the sport, but you're watching to see Conor McGregor. If I think if he had to come in with like a head guard on and it would take um it would take an element of that away. But I don't think they'll change the rule because we say yeah, we want to look pretty on the ring, please. Can we uh, <laughs> Yeah not it's, uh, one? it's maybe not um, the best argument to get the head guard taken away. No, we fall on deaf ears that one. But yeah. I'm certainly not gonna raise the argument. I'll just say, I'll oh, put the head guard on get on with it yeah but it's interesting like you say just with the change of rules like what sometimes what the spin like the reason that the rule was brought in isn't the way it actually plays out in like practically and because we've had that like just does like a couple of small rule changes that you're kind of looking at like it, it why they were brought in doesn't necessarily translate to when it, like practically once you put it once the match actually takes place it doesn't work like that. It like something. It ends up making the 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 spar and the fight something completely different. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the compulsory technique isn't a rule for the team sparring, and the team sparring's um, renowned for being faster paced, just just intense. Technique to a certain extent goes out of the window. So I think that's probably why they um, got rid of. They didn't implement it for the for the team, but you have to do it for individual. Um, so they must have thought that um, it's it's a strange one because they brought it in for be like a spectator rule. And in my opinion, I think team sparring, if you put it on TV, people would just flicking through the channels, would stop and go, what's this? Like that's like, it's eye catching. The people on either side of the ring, the intense level, the people cheering, the crowd just love it. So I think like, if anything, you think that would be where it would be implemented other than individual sparring, where it's more game plan and strategy involved, where you can use the rule to your advantage. Like, trust me, if I've got, like I say, if they haven't got their compulsory off and there's 10 seconds to go, I'm disappointed in myself if I let them get their two points off. So, um, and if I, in team sparring, you're not even thinking about that. You'll just attack, attack, attack. Don't get hit. Attack, attack, attack. Breathe. Um, so, um, yeah, it's strange. Like I said, they brought it into. to... Uh, make it a bit more spectator friendly but the most spectator drawing aspect of the taekwondo with team sparring is not a rule um because i see recently there was um there's a video the tkd coaching did itf versus itf um and they were saying that um they're getting the compulsory off but it's in the team event and um but it's not a rule in the team so um people think that it is but it's not but um <clears throat> If you're going to do one, maybe you do the other or not have it at all. But for me, it doesn't, wouldn't bother me because you get lot, you get the most points for the spin. So that's, you know, that's the ones you want to score. And that is, it's, it's, it's what Taekwondo is sort of turning into really, isn't it? The, the spinning fast kicking compared to the, the kickboxing, which is very, very um, one leg draw, good hands, back they turn a kick, back kick. Um, there's not many 360, uh, Spinning reverse turning kicks in the kickboxing world. Yeah. Well, they you're finding a, an exchange. There's a lot more people doing one or the other. That eventually it's going to be quite difficult to differentiate between a, a legitimate kickboxer and a legitimate taekwondo. I think they'd be very very similar. And all for it because I think they're taking the strengths from it. And you see it when um um Jay Jones when she um, implemented her like ITF style in the WTF world or WT world, she's 
Olympic champion. You no, know, they didn't have an answer for her. So um, I think there's a lot to be said for drawing from the positives from uh, from uh, other martial arts to to make it the best that it possibly can. Yeah. And so what the way does the scoring work then? Is it one? Is it is it one point for a punch? Two points for a kick to the body? Three points for a kick to the head? Or is there? Uh, so, uh, one punch, yeah. One point for a punch to the head. Um, one point for a punch to the body. Um, it should be two to the head, but it's probably just one. Um, we still technically have the rule of two punch, two points for a jump punch, but it's in the education of the umpires. Some might give it, and some might not give it to one. You know, some might give two points, some might give one. Um, but uh, the compulsory technique. If you score the compulsory technique, it's technically worth seven because you get your two points for throwing it. And then you get five points for a 360 to the head. So if you get your compulsory, if the first, when the referee says, see Jack, and then you throw a spiral back kick, for example, and it catches them in the face, you're seven points up. Now, if you lose when you're seven points up, then there's something that you've done drastically wrong. So you could win the match within the first six seconds, essentially. So there are there are there there is a seven-pointer that you could get, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, so you jump 180 to the body, um, uh, two points, jump to the head, three points, jump 360 to the body, four points, jump 360 to the head, five points. And then you add, but you only get the compulsory once. If you, uh, if you throw it and the referee says, yeah, that's good, then your score goes to zero compared to their minus two um yeah so you get the more points for the uh for the for the spins and then you get more points for the jump spins and then you get more points for the headshot so it just goes up that's why you see a lot of people headhunting but um you find it sometimes uh, all over the place all give and it's tough for umpires to score and at the same time uh was that three four I mean, you'll find that some of them just give the one point for a spin. You know what I mean? Just to be like, yeah, that was a point. That looked like a point. So um, you've got to weigh it up to see. And again, this is where the coach comes into it. If they see the scoreboard and they see that the points aren't racking up as quick as they should be, but they're spinning, spinning, spinning. It's just not being scored correctly. But you just got to roll with it and um, just score more points, essentially. But yeah, they should technically, the spinning one should technically count for more Um in the sparring yeah as i know like that just with us like there's been a couple of times like there's been some people who maybe say that it's very like it's very a lot of psychic into blitz and like that it's because that's it works that way because the most if people are going to use the shots that are the most effective the ones that are going to score the most like there's a reason they get used the most is because they score the most and so like this you know how do you make it more exciting i would think that if you just increase the score potentially of a spinning technique that that could essentially increase the excitement or but how how much those techniques get used but again who knows like i like at the moment it doesn't matter if it's a spinning technique or not a spin technique for us it's a kick to the head is a kick to the head for three points and okay. and that's kind of it and so, so, yeah, so back kick is- yeah it doesn't matter just if it's a kick to the head it's just it's the same it's all so maybe a change to that like maybe it became four points or five points for a spinning technique <laughs> it could add more excitement or something or more more people will use those techniques but you know like, like, like you said, with the rules, competitors use the rules the way they are and yeah. they, they use the effective techniques to win, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I was, I'm interested because I've, I've, um, I've never really sort of spoken to 
I know people on, say, your side, should we call it, just for convenience. But what, what is your view of our side, if you was to say, when you see our side or what you've been told, what's your view of ours? Um, I think, like, the two punches often is maybe a little bit, too, is a little bit too little, I think, because oftentimes you maybe need, like, three or four punches in a row to get the person moving back so that the kick can follow after. Like, to only do two punches and kick isn't the most natural, I feel, because you not, it isn't enough to get the person moving. You maybe need that three or four punches to get the person moving, and then you can follow and get a clean kick after. I think if you watch, that happens quite a lot. You know, like, it's after three or four punches where the person, you get the moving back, you get that momentum, you can get the kick to happen. And the spinning oh, technique, really? the spinning technique, like I said, I understand why it's there. It's there to make it look more, like... It's meant to be fan friendly, I suppose, but oftentimes you're just seeing it can sometimes be a lazy attempt to just throw the spin just to have it thrown and then carry on. Um if it, if like if there was a bit like if it's used smart and it's used to land and it's an attempt to actually land and it could change the match, then that's something different. I suppose it maybe it maybe depends on the level that you watch to how you see how people use it. Maybe at a lower level it mightn't be used as smart. It is just like a throwaway technique and as you go up it can be used a bit more effectively. But I think that's kind of it. Like it's different but apart from that, like there's a lot of similarities then to what you see because uh, the scoring is like it's only small differences. So like a lot of the effective tech, the most effective techniques are going to be the same. Yeah, yeah. So I say there's um you just we watch your side of your world championships and I, what my opinion the fact that I say yours certainly over the last well I say six seven years like the standard has just gone through the roof with um the caliber of competitors that you've uh, that you see on the world and European stage, which is good to see, in which um, it's just a shame that there's the pool of talent that ITF has. Like if we were just like one again, that we would um, hands down be such more of a force on like the Olympic scene that if you, you see the WTF or the WT, yeah, it's a respectful martial art, but um, you do see that if you had two Way I, the way I talk to people about it is if you walk past like a TV store and you had WTF on one side, or WT, sorry, WT on one side, and, and then like high quality as well, ITF on the other, you'd have a lot of people looking at the TV on the ITF side just because it's, I think, faster pace, there's more to it um, compared to the WT side, but that's the one that's in the Olympics. And I'm thinking, what's, there's only one WT group, there isn't breakaway 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 um with obviously our sides we've uh, unfortunately had so many split aways that you know we're, we're sometimes fighting against each other rather than um pulling all our talent in to show the world what like itf like as a as a unit can be because i think is um you see even on the england setup i've seen some names get found um on this podcast and obviously i know them zach espy mac Matt Cadle, um, these competitors are like we've I've not competing against Zach, he's not my weight, but um, you look at the England team that I'm part of in the past, we have competitors, uh, we've got Aaron Jennings, Russell Jones, like Ricky DeWinton as well. If we was all just to be one, one group, it would be like such a force. And um, I mean, I'll be honest with you, our, our England team over the, um, over the years has struggled, um, 
to compete with the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Czechs, the Greeks, the Bulgarians, um, just us, just the Eastern European. And you've got the, the North Koreans as well and all the uh, Kazakhstan, Turkmen, it's country after country that um, seem to be going strength to strength and with like how everything is with the, the diluted factor of our side that it's the same that we have on paper, in my opinion, possibly we're all getting a bit old now, but maybe that's rewind five years. Um, we had the, uh, the talent pool to um, dominate, I guess, on the world and European scene. But it's again, it was just our demise of the, the, uh, there's, there's so many splits of it all. So um, it's a shame, but in terms of Ireland as well, um, how many, is it the same for you? Because I think your Irish squad is a lot stronger than our Irish squad. It seems like some countries have uh, got a very much stronger unit than others. Because um, I'm not sure what, like on your side, what um, Czech Republic are like, for example. No. Uh, see, no, they, 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 they wouldn't you wouldn't even have a team out of them really you might have one or two every now and again from like Czech Republic or that but like you but like you hear like like who people who would have competed when it was all one and they say like oh the, the Czechs and like the Cro like I think maybe even the Croatians and like like some of these <laughs> some of these countries were very strong when it was all one but now you don't even see them at the championships because like they're all in another ITF and that and you know so it's a shame like yeah. that I say like the Czechs. So my memory of the Czechs of when I was 2002, um, they were so intimidating. If they had a mind, if whatever they had in mind worked for me anyway, they shaved their head, bleached their head, put the Czech flag on their hair. So they were like 15 year olds with bleached hair with the Czech flag. Um, and then when team patterns that all got bleached hair with the Czech sort of flag, essentially. So, um, they have stayed, I guess, with us essentially. So that's the, they've been with us. So that's why I asked about Czech Republic because they were very strong in 2002, and they've just continued to stay that level. So that's what I mean. There's some countries, and I think Ireland is one where yeah, your well. side is strong with you, um, and not so strong on our side. Um, Czech Republic is strong on our side, not so strong on yours. But I think England has unfortunately sort of been a um, sort of. A, the result of it being split here, split here, split here. You got you got four amazing competitors and, and three amazing competitors, and you think, Christ, if it was just just one unit again, we would be like multiple world and European champions on the team front as well. In my opinion, I might be wrong, but it's just what I've seen from yeah. having competed with Matt and seen yeah. Zach Espy just destroy people. Yeah, just, like, uh, the, like you said, I have seen that myself, I just even on our side for the England team, like it goes, and it's no real disrespect to anybody, but the quality is of the, well, like I suppose the Sparring team is like is often is often up and down, like it's some, some years it's strong, but then some years it's not, because obviously, look, if you're, it's not a funded sport, so other commitments can take over, so like that can happen anyway. But like you said, because the pool is so small, the quality goes up and down, and then like, you're having the same problem as you said in your in on your side then of where the quality is up and down whereas you might have that consistency if you just bring it all together you know so yeah yeah one day maybe yeah maybe oh. well, like, <laughs> probably not but, but the like the the itf on our side the, like the world cup was meant to be in october and I, as i understand it they were going to open that up to other yeah. IT, other itf groups um which could have been yeah. interesting and um, it could have allowed maybe it could have maybe 
maybe been the start of something like that. We'll see some cross competition, if not, you know, a, a, a joining of organizations at a, at a high level. But if it's something, at least in competition, where you could have some crossover, maybe that could be something as well. Yeah. Be nice to see. I think, let's say, nice to even if you start it slow with small with like group seminars. You know what I mean? Just uh, training sessions because we, um, as an England setup, we get on well with each other. We um, um, we had a England squad session with Master Lear organised where we met up as one, and and you'd be surprised what that brought out of you because we was as a squad saying, well, we ain't gonna let them out fitness us. And I'm pretty sure they'd have been saying the same thing. Yeah. And when it comes to the sparring, um, you know, it was it was like friendly rivalry. But you know what I mean? It's, there's a, there's a, there is like the atmosphere there. But Christ, that would have brought the best out of us, hundred percent. Because there's that respect, that respect there too. So that's why um, it would be great if there was a was ever a combined. But um, it's nice that the coaching team coaching setup on on both sides seem open to having joint joint sessions which um because it could be very very because when it first happened in 2002 like 2003 it was very there was a lot of hostility i think towards either side when did you start um competing internationally uh i did a like my first black belt tournament as an international was 2008 we had the world cup the first time i would have went to like a european championships what is 2010 so i'm about 10, 10 years consistently 10 years gone. yeah yeah so you've only known one i guess your side yeah. it was a very so for me it was a very strange time to be introduced to it whilst it was separating because um i didn't know what to do i remember when it was all happening um i just knew that i was losing master Lear as my coach that's all i knew i didn't know what i was and it was, it was horrible because um he was a great coach, essentially. So it was it was a strange time because you go to squad training, that's your coach, those are your teammates. And then all of a sudden, literally like the week after the championships, it was you can't see them anymore. And it was uh it was it was surreal. So um yeah, anyone I guess pumped two thousand five, six, seven onwards would have just obviously known what they uh were set into, but it wasn't that long ago that it was uh, before then. That it was all sort of splitting, and I think Master Lear tried off because he had the his open, and uh, I think it was twenty twelve in Brighton. Was that is that twenty twelve? Yeah, because yeah, I know right. he um, opened it to to all styles as well. And um, unfortunately, I was um, injured at the time, so I couldn't. I'd love to have done it, um, and hopefully before uh, before I hang my gloves up, there's a chance for me to. I'd love to do the Dutch Open because so I know that's a, a very high high quality uh, championships. You see that you, they've got their own page on Instagram of just that competition and the standard of uh, competitors there is uh, second to none. So I'd, be, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring because uh, I'm mean, 33. I've got a couple of years left in me, but I think um, I'd like to... It's why it's a shame this is all happening because this now, because uh, I think uh, probably had a few more internationals in me and it feels like the last couple of getting possibly taken from you because uh, from 32, you like feel fit and ready. Got European Championships, you think, well, this, this could be my year. Like 32 is like probably, I think, one of your prime years. Um, 
and it's just off, not happening. And then you're like, I'm 33 now, but the time the Euros comes around, I'm almost going to be 34. So you're like, there's a big jump between that age group that you're thinking, oh, am I going to be okay? So it's like, a, it's a dodgy time. So you just, you just want to make the most of it now and um, get as many competitions in you as you, as you can before, uh, before your legs give in. Yeah. But, uh, I was not even thinking that today. It was kind of because we should have had like it's it's around it's around that time you'd usually be looking at going to a tournament. Like it should have been the World Cup in a few weeks, and uh, and like and not having had anything earlier in the year. It's kind of like I don't know. I just had that feeling like I should be I should be getting ready to go. So like you know you should be like you know looking at is 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 weight on point is is, is when's the draw coming out like there's just yeah, like, yeah. there's different bits and pieces that you should be looking forward to to going to some place for a tournament and. Uh, I haven't, I haven't had that feeling in a, in a in a good while now. Like so, it's um, it's a weird one, you know. Yeah. And especially around know, this time of year. You're gonna um, yeah, for people to compete, sort of, especially two internationals a year, all that weighing, all that weight checking. There's gonna be a lot of dieting happening in 2021. So anyone wanting to release a fitness plan, diet 2021 is your year because you'll have loads of people taking you off on it because they're like, mm-hmm. have I cut weight? I don't have diet. I can't remember. Um, but I think yeah, it's going to be a tough one, and you just hope that you just hope that people stay injury free. When when we do, I think that's slow and steady is certainly the way back. Because if you if they announce tomorrow, oh, we made a mistake. You can spar, by the way. Um, I reckon there'd be hamstrings going all over the place and like back pulls because they haven't done it. So I think people will just be going straight in. So I think um, certainly when it so when it comes to my teaching in my class. Um, even when they say we're allowed to spar, I probably won't straight away. Just to ease them into it because I know what it's like. You just want to go in um, two-footed, probably, mm-hmm. and uh, end up getting hurt. But we shall see. It's uh, you know, yeah, interesting. It's a challenge as well, though, because when you're told you can go back sparring, it's the first thing you want to do. You know, yeah. I know, yeah. I know we came back training. Like I, I got the, I got the training the first night and wanted to have the gear on straight away. Like right, let's go. <laughs> You know, but you, you can't like you need to you do need to yeah. ease, you do need to ease yourself back into it. But you know, but what people want to do is really put to put the pads yeah. on and go hit each other. They get a hint when they walk in, bow with their pads on. <laughs> like, no, 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 <laughs> need to stretch first and do the warm <laughs> the gum shield. Hi, sir, I'm ready. But um, no, it's uh, it's interesting. But um, I mean, like I say, the support that everyone's had, and it's tough. I mean psychologically as any instructor you you are thinking like what do i do am i going to have any students are they all going to leave so i think the support that students have shown instructors that i've seen is um is great and i think that should continue and and the support that you get from around like my wife like just been so supportive of everything like just making sure i'm okay like psychologically is with everything that's going on say it's a massive help like the support network that anyone has is is who you are really essentially so um she's uh she's learned how to uh, learn to support me certainly oh I mean, that's the reason why she I, I didn't meet her through taekwondo i um when uh, we first met we was like chatting about going on a date essentially and she realized how busy i was like can we go out next week i can but i've got a competition we'll go next week oh i've got squads um it took about a month for me to like meet you know what I mean? Meet her. And then that's why she got into Taekwondo because she probably thought, well, better. I may as well go along to your class so I can actually see you. And then um, that's essentially it. So, yeah, so she's been very supportive. So I think having that um, 
having support at this time more than ever is so important because um, it's tough for everyone because each sort of session, each week that you go on, you're like, like, is everyone going to be okay still? Like we're still not sparring. You've got some people in your, in your, some students that you can tell are only really doing it for the sparring, but they, they're still coming along. So we just got to keep, um, keep spirits high with it all. But yeah, people, how they're adapting, how they're, te- how they're adapting their teaching styles is uh, it's great to see when you see uh, instructors just grabbing it by the horns and running with it. And um, he says, uh, the instructor for, for eye kicks, uh, Scott, uh, Ross, sorry, Ross, sorry, I'm calling Scott, Ross, um, I see him online as well, and he must be exhausted because he's been doing uh, like every day online sessions and now he's back in his unit it's great to see him back in his unit but um you can just see the exhaustion in in instructors eyes where they've uh, got to keep so many plates spinning and so many students happy and out of their comfort zone so it's um it's really good to see really good to see the positive spirits that people are people are showing and it's just going to make us stronger stronger characters from it all because like i say before you know it hopefully yeah, we'll be sparring again, hopefully. Yeah. Well, uh, I suppose, look, before we finish up, uh, I tend to ask if you had to pick a last question, if you had to pick a favourite fighter, it could be Taekwondo, it could be, it could be any sport, it could be a boxer, it could be a mas- uh, sorry, mixed martial arts, MMA. If you had to pick a yeah. favourite fighter to watch, uh, who would you pick? Um, so I've, I've listened to podcasts, so I see that you uh, you asked this. So I've been thinking about it since we've been chatting, I was like, who would I, and it changes on a daily basis. Um, there's so many to, to pick from, I think outside the world of, of Taekwondo, the person who draws my eye the most, if I know that they're competing or there's advertisement, is um, Michael Venom Page from Bellator. His, uh, his cocky style is uh, is eye catching, but his cocky style with backing it up as well. You just you want him to showboat. Um, he does a bit of a dance on the ring and then does a three sixty back kick to their face, and they're they're asleep for a minute and a half and. He does it in the next fight, and his opponent knows they're going to do it. Um, so I've, when he's competing, he's like hands down the most entertaining. I just think he's such a great talent. Um, and I was going to say Mike Tyson, but I know that's been said recently, so I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> copy and paste Sean there. So um, and so I think um, I'll go with Michael Venom Page for outside of Taekwondo. Um, in Taekwondo, there was someone I grew up admiring. And um, I had the honour of compete. I say the honour. He was he had a good tussle. Was uh, Neil Ernest when um, yeah. we've competed against each other? And I was like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, it was in a team sparring. I, I hear Matt mention this team event that was a couple of years ago at the XL Arena. It was huge, it was a huge, huge event. And um, it was a team, and you had to match up your weights. And um, I was the same weight as Neil Ernest. And I was like, that's Neil Ernest. I was like. 14 years old and he was the one that was just ripping people to shreds like on in the internationals and the nationals and just seeing him throw his downwards kicks his 360s and it was rapid and he was so good um and when it was like right next up is the under 71 and i was like that's me and uh that's neil ernest over there and um i was a bit like a rabbit in the headlights when the referee was like cj so we had a bit of a um a good back and forth and um, I was thinking, oh, I'm doing all right here. I'm getting a better of him here. And then um, I, I think the mistake I did was catch him with a shot and 
reset his nose or caught his nose off. And um, he just tore me to pieces after that. He's just, he's for sure, he's Neil Ernest. I, I woke Neil Ernest up, I think, literally. And um, that was a mistake. But he was, um, he was someone I used to look up to and think a lot of when I was, um, when I was younger. So to compete against him was, uh, was a privilege. And he actually, he doesn't even know this, but he, um, he put me in hospital school once. Um, he came to visit our squad training um and he's really good friends with uh, someone's really good friend who was my england coach at the time master philip tavner was my england coach at the time and neil ernest and master tavner were um were teammates so when master tavner was taking a session for us neil ernest come along to our squad training sessions now i was like telling everyone i was like well, that's neil ernest like he's great at sparring um because there was like that split still would have been a few years. So some people didn't know who he was. Um, so when I was sparring him, I was probably, I was about 22, I think. And I was just in that horrendous, like cocksure of myself age thinking, I'm going to get the better of him. And then was sparring away and uh, no head guards on, which is why, why I don't like head guards after this. Um, it really saved me, but I caught him with a couple of kicks and I was like, I'm getting the better of Neil Ernest. It was only in training, but I was like, it was like the best day ever. And then he just lured me in with a sidekick. I've done a sidekick and he spun and he caught me in the temple with a reverse turning kick. And um, I've never been knocked out, never been knocked out. Um, so I went down and everything went black and I just um, thought, no, don't, don't be knocked out. I stood straight up. And um, he said, uh, are you okay? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. But I was blinking. Every time I was blinking, there was like lightning bolts going through my eyes. And I was like, this isn't good. And then um, I was like, oh, give me a second. And I just ran to the corner and I was physically sick, like a lot. And I was like, well, that's not a good sign of um, being sick after being hit in the head. So um, I got taken to hospital. But I said, I said, say later, I'm off. Went, went, got lift home and then got home. My mum was like, you okay? I was like, um, I think so. Can't hear much. And um, so he took me to hospital and the doctor's like, yeah, you've, uh, you've got a concussion. <laughs> I was like, ah, so I had all these cuts down my mouth. So even though he put me in hospital and he'd beaten me, um, someone I admire is my favourite sparer is, um, is Neil Ernest. I think he's an absolute legend and a really nice guy as well. That always helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definite legend. Like obviously, he uh, competed, I suppose, in yeah. our, our side a lot. And yeah. after the split, but yeah, def- definite legend of with you. One of my, I probably put him in. Probably, yeah, he probably my top five of all time favorite fighters. I probably have him in. Yeah. And yeah, he was uh, exciting to watch and a, and a great fighter, tough. He's a great coach. As well, you see his students that are being produced, and when he comes to our nationals. Um, you see that they are very, also very, very good. So um, it's one thing being a good competitor, but, and that's where I try and sort of, my motivations are now to produce someone very, very good and put a lot of passion into that. Um, and so for his students to also be very, very good, it shows that he's not just keeping all his knowledge in and not saying, no, I'm the greatest, you're not going to be. He's, my mentality is I want my students to be better than me. And it sounds like he has that same um, same mentality too. So there might be a lot more mini Neil Ernest's about in a, in about 10 years. So God help yeah. us all. That'd be great. 
Yeah, he's somebody. I'll, I'll ho- hopefully get try and get him on here soon as well. It'll be good to have him on and have a chat with him. Right, yeah. and if you if you get Master Lear on as well, I see his name get mentioned quite a lot, and he's um he'll have some stories, and he's got so much respect, and he's getting respect from all over the place. So it'd be great to have him. great to listen to to Master Lear, and obviously yeah, Neil Ernest as well. Yeah. Right then, well, uh, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks a million for coming on. I've uh, really enjoyed the chat. Really enjoyed hearing your story, and uh, your your side of I suppose the the another ITF group, and uh, yeah, how yeah. things are operating there. So uh, yeah, we're all, mates, we're, all, we're all one group, mate. That's all fine. All yeah. family. Yeah. So yeah, take care, and hopefully you'll be back sparring soon in the in the gym and that. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll see you maybe Dutch Open Holland Cup next year. You never know. Yeah. Hopefully, all the best. See you, mate. Bye, then, Jamie. Bye, bye.